success looks so easy from the outside, but all successful people have had to overcome enormous obstacles along the way. And in many cases, look failure right in the eye. Most successful people don't focus on the struggle and rarely do they talk about it because quite frankly, that's not what creates success. Join us here where we will chat with fierce female entrepreneurs and share the good, the bad, and the ugly of entrepreneurship and talk about the obstacles we have faced and how you can overcome them to reach the success that you desire. I am your host, Cami Lehman, and this is the She's Invincible podcast. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today on the She's Invincible podcast. And I'm so excited to have an amazing guest for you today. I have Elizabeth Benton. Elizabeth was depressed, deeply in debt and obese. As a nutrition expert and educator who binged on junk food every time she put gas in her car, she felt like a fraud and a failure. Desperate to start truly living her life, she decided to believe in her potential rather than her past. She lost 150 pounds, paid off $130,000, and remains debt-free as a successful entrepreneur. Today, Elizabeth is the owner of Primal Potential, Through her platform of podcast coaching and live events, she has fueled her deepest struggles into a burning passion to help people create transformations and live more fulfilled lives. Welcome, Elizabeth. It's so great to have you today on the She's Invincible podcast. It's wonderful to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. So let's do this. Let's tell our listeners how you got where you are today and what makes you invincible. Absolutely. So it kind of goes way back. I was the uh, token fat kid in a otherwise thin fit family. And that would probably be a pretty unremarkable part of my story, except for the fact that my mom really attached a lot of shame to my weight. She felt like it was a reflection on her as a parent. And so there was a ton of food restriction and pressure and labels around body and weight and all of those things when I was a kid. And unfortunately, that created a a cycle where I was just getting heavier and heavier despite really wanting to be healthy and accepted by my peers and by my family. And I had this growing obsession with weight loss but at the same time, there it was countered with this almost like rebellious nature because I knew food would be so restricted in my home. And my mom had me, you know, go into Weight Watchers as an eight-year-old and things like that, that while I wanted to be accepted and I wanted to be healthy, I also was learning the sneaking food behaviors and the overeating and binging and that sort of thing. And it really just accelerated as I got older and when I was in college, I actually decided to study nutrition because I thought, you know what, if I can get answers on this, if I can figure this out, if I can put this struggle behind me, then everything will be okay. And, and that's really like, if I have to study something, I'll just study nutrition because maybe at a minimum, it'll help me solve this problem. But of course, information was not what I needed. And I just continued to get heavier and heavier. And as you said, when you were sharing a little bit of my backstory, I worked in the nutrition industry um, and I was 
an obese woman. And there was just a lot of further shame around that. And I think what struck me the most at that time in my life, in my early 20s, my mid 20s was, how is it that I can want something so intensely, but then not do the work to create it? Like I was the thing in the way. I was the one who wanted more than anything to lose weight. And then I was also the one that was, you know, binging on junk food very regularly and overeating and not doing the things to make the change that I wanted so bad. And at the time, I worked in a career that I didn't really love, but I was a very hard worker. And it just confused the heck out of me as to how I could be motivated and disciplined in this other area of my life, my career, that I didn't care about as much but then not use those same skill sets. It wasn't like I didn't have them. It's that I wasn't applying them to my health, to my weight. And it just puzzled me. Like, how can I show up and be motivated and disciplined and hardworking here, but not here where it matters so much more? And you mentioned that I paid off a lot of debt. And it was in that process that I really learned what had been holding me back for so long in terms of weight. It wasn't about food. It wasn't about finding the right diet. It wasn't about discipline and willpower even. It was the way I was thinking. And my career advancements at the time and getting out of uh, out of debt really showed that to me for the first time that change wasn't about this thing that I thought it was about. I thought it was about food. I thought it was about weight. I thought it was about discipline but it really was more about how I was thinking. And so I think that, you know, to answer your question, what makes me invincible, it's not that I have some special superpower or skill set or anything like that. It's that I am committed to challenging my own thinking. And I did that with food and I do that with money and I've done that with business. But the, the fundamental issue when people struggle for a long time, what I've found is that they're thinking about the problem the way they've always been thinking about the problem or they're thinking about food or they're making decisions about food the way they've always been making those decisions. And so we have to challenge ourselves to be better thinkers and to think differently than we ever have before. And that's really the cornerstone of change. And I think that no matter what struggles I go through, my commitment to thinking differently is what, what allows me to keep going. And as you say, kind of be invincible. I love that. Oh my gosh. And, and what you said, it allows you to keep going, right? To not get stuck, not stop, not give up or give in. And so let's talk a little bit more about that. I actually just wrote that down as you were saying it is like, okay, uh, you know, now we know we need to think better. How do we think better? So let's talk a little bit, dig deeper in that area. There are a lot of ways to do it. And, and you know, one of the tools that I use is journaling, but I think the tool that I use the most that I use in my marriage, that I use with all my clients, that I use, you know, in my, in my own thinking is questions. Questions are free. Questions can go with you anywhere. They don't have to take a lot of time, but asking yourself questions. I remember when I was starting to, to renovate this property that I bought and I was talking to my husband's uncle about it. And I said, you know, I think I'm going to do this and do this and do this. And he said, you know, that's not a bad idea, might even be a good idea, but never go with your first idea. And 
that really helped me a lot in terms of renovations, but it also helps me a lot in terms of my own thinking. Our first thought, the I'll do it tomorrow, it doesn't need to be done today, this one thing won't hurt, that default thought is our patterned thinking. That is the way that we have processed this probably most frequently and for the longest period of time. We don't want to go with that first thought. It doesn't mean that that thought won't end up being right or won't end up being what we choose, but getting in the practice of challenging your thoughts. Is there a span between all and nothing, right? I had been an all or nothing thinking thinker with mindset, with money, with business, with food for such a long time. And so I started to ask, is there something that exists between all and nothing between on and off, right? Just questioning, asking yourself different things. There's also a question that I use very regularly. Is there a better version of this story that I could tell, right? So even if it's, I'm, I'm worried about something in business, like, oh gosh, this isn't going to go well, or maybe we're not going to hit the goal that we set, or we have this big problem and somebody screwed up. Is there a better version of this story that I could tell in terms of maybe how I can grow from it, what I can learn from it, how it can actually end up better because we had to pause, because we had to readjust? I also ask questions when I feel like there is a problem or I've been offended or somebody's done something wrong. What have I added to the facts? Because there's the facts and then there's everything that we add to it our feelings, our fears, our insecurities, our assumptions. Assumptions are a big one. So I use this if I'm upset with my husband, if I'm upset with an employee, if I'm thinking about, you know, a disappointment or a perceived failure. What is the difference between what actually happened and how I feel about what happened? So when it comes to becoming a better thinker, we always have an opportunity to upgrade the way we're thinking. And, and I think sometimes the, the word mindset gets thrown around a lot, but people don't understand what it actually looks like and means in practice. And in practice, it can just be asking some challenging questions, asking some questions that allow you to explore a different perspective another thing that might be true because what you landed on initially might very well be true, but it also might very well not be serving you and it might not be the whole truth. So for me, it's really about questions. Wow. That is a lot. And that is amazing. Amazing. And I love what you said, this question of, is there a better version of this story that I can tell? Wow. Like, you know, and especially this year, we're all trying to come up with better versions of ourselves, of, you know, the situation. And so that is so powerful. And you've done some amazing things like losing 150 pounds and paying off $130,000 in in debt. Um, Could you share with us a little bit about that? And I know, you know, that they were similar in, in tools, right. Or in strategy. Yeah. Could you share a little bit about how you see them to have, you know, been somewhat the same in your approach? Absolutely. When I think about getting out of debt, I had a plan every month. There was, there was a budget, like, this is what we're going to be working on paying down. This is how much money is coming in. These are the bills. This is the extra that we can put towards this debt that we're trying to knock out, whatever it was. And there was not one single month that went according to plan. 
every single month something came up, whether it was a blown tire or a gas bill that was higher than we anticipated because I hadn't planned for going up in the winter or we had a home repair or, oh my gosh, I didn't consider the fact that October has seven family birthdays and two anniversaries or whatnot. There was not a single month that went, went according to plan. And yet, it still happened. I still got there. We still got out of debt. And when I looked at how I had been approaching things like food and weight, if I had a moment, had a day, had a choice that didn't go according to plan, I got super dramatic about it. I beat myself up. What is wrong with me? I screwed up. I've blown it. I might as well start again tomorrow. And if I took that same approach with getting out of debt, like, oh, I screwed up. How stupid of me not to remember that there were seven family birthdays in October. I guess we'll try and hit the budget on November. If I had had that mentality in getting out of debt, I never would have got there. And that helped a ton with the notion of perfectionism or all or nothing. And there were so many things like that with, you know, drama being a huge one. If I got super emotional every single time that something didn't go according to plan or, oh my gosh, we just had another bill come in that we weren't expecting. And so instead of trying to get out of debt, we've actually created more this month. Like, oh, if I got so dramatic about all of those things, I just wouldn't have had the focus and the energy to make progress And I could see that so clearly when it came to money. And yet here I was dramatic about almost every single choice I was making with food, just beating myself up. Oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? Why can't I just be motivated and disciplined? And getting out of debt really helped me to ditch the drama and be more objective and effective because I could see that at work, I made mistakes all the time. My team made mistakes all the time. And if every single time it became this whole big blame and shame fiasco, we would never get anywhere. We would all be exhausted and it would feel hopeless. And I would never show up that way in my work. But here I was showing up that way with regards to my health and food. And so it was a very eye-opening process to see that the things that were holding me back weren't the, you know, Mexican food dinners and the pints of ice cream. I mean, sure, they weren't part of the solution, but the real issues were the way that I was thinking about it. And so when I saw how I was thinking in these areas where I was creating success, even with setbacks and struggles and failures and disappointments, it showed me what needed to change in my mindset about this other area. That's amazing. I love that. And so simple. And yet what it's so so hard to do, I think for so many. Um, so I love what you said about just asking the question, like, how could I want something so bad and yet not be willing to do the work to get it? And I believe that right now during these times, there's a lot of that going on. A lot of that question is being asked. Uh, people are in different situations this year, a uh, little bit more challenging. Some are in better situations, but, um, what could you say to that as far as like someone who's asking that question and it, and it, 
I think your two examples are beautiful about the money and the weight, because that is probably two of the big ones that are happening this year between people's financial situation changing and those of the people like myself who have eaten their way through 2020. So, yeah. So do do you have a couple like quick tips or like step one, step two, what is the most, the thing they could do that could really get them on the right path pretty quickly besides reaching out to you (laughs) in your company? I would say thinking about a much smaller focus we get overwhelmed when we're trying to solve the problem in general. Why can't I just eat better? Why can't I be more consistent? And I always ask people, okay, let's just gut check right now. Are you focused on the problem or the solution? Focusing on the problem is going to be a big issue because the solution does not live in the problem. It is separate from that. So are you focusing on the problem or the solution? We want you focusing on the solution, not the problem. And then are you being general or are you being specific? I used to waste so much time being like, okay, if I could just follow this plan for this amount of time, then by this date, I'd have about this much weight lost and I'd be wearing about this size. None of that is actionable today. So I'm always trying to focus on the micro. What is the piece of the solution that I'm able and willing to implement today. So if you feel like, oh my gosh, that's so me with money. Like I want to pay this debt off so bad, but it seems like every week goes by and I haven't really done anything. And here we go. I've spent money at Target or on Amazon again. What's wrong with me? Let's get out of the problem and get out of the generalities and get into the specifics. What is a way that you are willing to participate in the solution today? Maybe that means, you know what, I need to write a check for the gas bill. But other than that, I'm not spending today. I'm not getting anything on Amazon. We don't have to worry about tomorrow. We're not saying I'm going to set this budget for this month. We're just focused on today. You think that you've been going for the sugar every single day for the last six weeks. Like, how do I stop this sugar? That is not the right focus, right? That is a focus on the problem. It's also very, very general. Let's get specific on the solution. What improvement can you make with regards to sugar today? Maybe that means, you know what? I already had a cookie this morning because it was sitting out left over on the counter. I'm good with sugar for the day. I can say that's it. Or you know what? I'm going to have a cocktail with my spouse after dinner, but otherwise that's it. No other indulgences for today. So this shift from either being in the problem or focusing too generally is going to really kind of translate over to a specific focus on the solution that you're willing to participate in today. Not the solution in general, not the problem in general, but the solution specific to today. And if that feels overwhelming, like, well, I always say I'm not going to have sugar, but then come seven o'clock at night, I don't really care. Okay, then let's talk about the next hour. Let's talk about the next 90 minutes, but really focusing on a smaller segment of time, no greater than the day you're in, is a big shift. A lot of us want to solve for the next year, for the rest of our lives, for the end of the problem. But that's not really tangible and it often overwhelms people. So let's just get very specific to the day or the moment you're in. 
I love that. Oh, that's a relief. I find that to be a relief because I, I, yeah, I tend to be, you know, that forward thinker where I'm thinking, okay, I can do this today, but what's going to happen next week, right? Doesn't so, matter. Yes, I love that. You just gave me permission and many others to to not worry about that. And thank you so much. I love that. What profound wisdom. So, well, and sometimes we think that like we need to worry about, well, okay, so I cannot have sugar today, but, but Saturday is this cookie party. Listen, if you have six great days of decision-making under your belt, or you create 20 wins between now and then, you don't know how you're going to be thinking about that. We can't assume that the way we think about it right now, when we have no momentum is the same way we're going to think about it when we've created some momentum, when we had some wins. So it's critical to just focus on winning the moment you're in. Love it. Oh, that's amazing. So tell our listeners, what are you guys doing? What kind of programs do you have that you're offering at Primal Potential? We really focus on creating change by changing the way you think, because it really doesn't matter if that change is getting your business off the ground, if that change is making your marriage better, if it's losing weight, if it's getting out of debt, if you don't change the way you think, you are going to continue to run into the same excuses and exceptions and doubts and delay and all of those things. So we really focus on becoming better thinkers. One of the ways we do that, kind of the one of the simplest, easiest, slowest cost ways is through our daily mindset upgrades. So every single day, seven days a week, I send via text message a short audio message that just is your your challenge for the day or your thought for the day to help you upgrade your mindset. Because for a lot of people, you have a general intention, but then it gets lost in the fact that you have 12 meetings today and then you have to cook dinner and the kids are being crazy and it lives in the realm of intention, but it doesn't really stick with you in the day-to-day. So we do that via text message. Um, we have a 12-week program called the 12 Weeks to Transformation, where there's just one challenge, one focus for the week. And we reinforce that every single day with a one to three minute daily message. And it comes with a a very specific journal that kind of helps you retrain the way that you think. So those are are a couple of our things. But one of the things I'm most passionate about is is the podcast. I, I think I mentioned to you, I'm almost 900 episodes into the podcast, the Primal Potential podcast. And we just talk about different facets of this stuff a couple times a week. I love it. How many episodes do you do a week? I used to do three. Now I do two. Awesome. That's amazing. All right. Well, let's do this. Let's tell our listeners where they can find you. The easiest place is going to be the podcast, Primal Potential Podcast. It's on um, everywhere you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all that stuff. On social The only place I'm really active is Instagram. You can find me there at Elizabeth Benton. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much for that amazing wisdom. And just uh, you're a wealth of knowledge when it comes to really breaking this down and and making a plan that could work daily. I feel I'm again, so relieved. So um, on the She's Invincible podcast, we promise our listeners that we're going to feature fierce female entrepreneurs and we're going to share 
just value and tips and things that they can put into place right now today that can make a difference in their life or their business. And I appreciate you so much for doing that with us today. But the other thing that we promise is that we are going to let them in behind the scenes. We're opening up the door and we're going to let them into the journey that you have had on your journey to success because women who are mostly our listeners are women and they tend to compare themselves to other women, other successful women. And of course they're comparing their weaknesses to these successful women's strengths. And they're always coming up short. But what we found is that when we share from these successful women, uh, some of the journey that they've had and some of the good, the bad, and the ugly, it helps them to see that no matter what they're faced with right now, no matter what obstacles they have to overcome, that they can do it. And if, even if they're face down on the ground, they can get back up. And so I'm excited to have you here and to share your amazing stories of your journey with our listeners right now. Are you ready? Absolutely. Awesome. So we are starting with the good. When people say, do you want the good news or the bad news? I'm like, give me the good. So we're going good right now. And I would love to have you share a story from your journey of something good or great. I think putting out my first book in terms of my business journey was something that was really good, really great. And the funny thing about it is I was not ready to write my first book. I thought my journey isn't complete yet. Like I should wait a few more years. I don't feel like I have time. This feels like a daunting, overwhelming project, but I took it one tiny step at a time, you know, one hour of effort a day. And knowing that I tackled something when I had a hundred million other things going on and I had 200 million doubts and fears and reservations and anxieties and all of those things, being able to practice what I preach and just what is the little piece of this huge project that I'm willing to take today, that gave me so much confidence in terms of, because, hey, look, as business owners, a lot of what we do, we've never done before. And we don't know necessarily how to do it. And it feels daunting and overwhelming. And that was a really meaningful milestone to kind of get to, to know that, all right, even when it doesn't seem like the right time, even when it doesn't seem like there's enough time, even when I don't know how to do it or where to go or when to do it, it still can happen. It still can get done. So I would say when I think of good in business, that's what I think about. I love that. And we did not share the name of your book. Do you want to share with our that listeners? True. The book is called Chasing Cupcakes. And it's really about all the tools that I used in getting out of debt and losing weight that can be applied to anything. And they sort of are broken down chapter by chapter. I love that. And that can be found on Amazon. Awesome. So Chasing Cupcakes. I love that name. You know, I love cupcakes. So you too. <laughs> why would I not love that name? Right. Oh my gosh. Well, that is amazing. And you know, I love what you said about not being ready. It wasn't the right time. Oh yeah. my gosh. Right. If we had a dollar for every time that came up, mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but I can honestly say that I don't think there was one thing in my life that I've ever done that I was ready to do. I totally feel agree. Yeah. And I, I, when you were telling this story, all I kept thinking was, what if you didn't do it because you were waiting until you were ready? Yeah. And people live their life like that, right? No. And so, but as you were telling me that, that's what I was thinking. Oh, thank God you didn't wait. So yeah, yeah. well, the next thing is the bad. So 
there's always bad, right? And I haven't met a successful person yet who didn't have a whole lot of bad to share. Uh, But I'd love for you to pick one story about the bad in your journey. So I really expected 2020 to be one of the best years of my life. I went into the year expecting my first child and had hired a COO to step in and really take over a lot of the operations for my business so that I could transition into motherhood. And we kind of wrapped our whole business strategy around this. And in March, our daughter was born. She was healthy. I was healthy, full-term pregnancy. And when she was 14 days old, she died very unexpectedly and very traumatically. And, you know, you can't be in business and think that your personal life isn't a huge part of your business because it is. And the week that we lost our daughter was the same week that the COVID shutdown went into kind of full force, um, was also the same week that we were in a big launch. And I had a brand new COO and I had a team that was really relying on me and my whole world shut down and fell apart. But I also had to deal with the fact that, you know, COVID and the shutdown was really impacting our business. And um, it's not something I ever saw coming. I've been through a lot of hard things in business, um, but that was the worst. And, and, I, and I don't know that it can ever get worse than that. Mm. That's a combination, right? Of the bad and the ugly right there is, you know, the- Oh, we got got more ugly. I know, I know we're going there. We're going there, but I, yeah, I, I can't even imagine. And yet here you are today, right? And there you were in March, right? You, you stood up and however, and I I want you to share, like, what did you do? How did you even get up at that Mm -hmm. moment when that was happening? what were you thinking? How did you even convince your mind to make your body start moving again? That, that's a big question because I think there are people right now that are just numb yeah. and frozen. Yeah. And I think, you know, and for some of us, it's something like the unexpected and tragic death of a child. And I hope that, I hope that none of your listeners have experienced that, but for other people, it's the loss of a job or it's the end of a marriage or something that just makes you think there's no way I can recover from this. And And I'm very much a fan of like, let's not try to push it away. Let's not make it go away. I'm not trying to make my grief smaller. I'm not trying to present it in a way that makes anybody comfortable. I want it to be as big and as lasting as it is because I I believe we have to experience that fully. Um, But what I did a couple weeks after she died I, I really don't even, I, I, the whole first couple of weeks is kind of a fog and I didn't do much other than sit on the floor and cry and stare at the wall um, and replay every second. But I started writing to myself about these tools that I had been using for years now with my clients. And I would pick just one that would help me make breakfast that would help me just take a shower. And if I wanted to then sit back on the floor and cry, that's what I would do. But like, you know, the goal is take a shower. The goal is, you know, um, have salmon and broccoli for dinner. The goal is get outside for 10 minutes. And they were, they were smaller goals than I ever thought that I would need to, 
target uh, that would ever feel significant. But I started writing to myself kind of how to get to the completion of that, what perspective I needed to have, what I needed to tell myself. And after a couple of weeks, interestingly enough, I was finding them to be such a powerful lifeline for me. The only thing that was getting me through the day, because I, I didn't want to get through the day. I, that's where the daily mindset upgrades came from. Because I was like, you know what? Whether it's because somebody lost their job or it's because somebody's facing coronavirus, other people need to hear this. And so it was my initial messages to myself that is what started the daily mindset upgrades. Ah, oh, that is so powerful and amazing. Um, and, and that is a true example of how we take the things that happen to us and we use them for the better and for yeah. great. And you did that. And that is amazing. And I know you said it gets uglier. So <laughs> <laughs> let's go. I know, I know like my heart right now hurts. So, but, but this is the people need to hear this because this is right. real, this is happening and they need help. And a lot of people don't even know where to get that help. So let's go to the next place. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. Share another, share the ugly. And, and I, I, before I even go into it, I think what you just said is so important that, you know, people need to hear this because no matter how ugly it is for you, it's not the end of the story, right? It, it might get worse. It might get harder, but regardless, it's not the end. And you know, uh, a few days after our daughter died, we were told that funerals were not essential. Liquor stores were essential, but funerals were not essential. We were faced with the majority of our families on both sides not feeling comfortable being around us because of COVID, despite the fact that we had just lost our child. So our world got so much smaller. And meanwhile, we had to make a probably $700,000 business decision to completely pull a launch, eliminating all of the revenue we would have gotten from it. And also, you know, just losing all of the money we had invested in it in preparation, but we were in the middle of it and nothing was happening because people weren't sure if they were going to have jobs. And so here I was faced with not only losing my daughter, but more or less having to go through it completely isolated not being able to honor her or memorialize her the way that, you know, culturally I, I just associate with loss and then having to be making huge business decisions at the same time. I remember we had to go and sign a death certificate. And before we could get out of the car, I was on the phone with my COO, basically making the decision to pull this launch. And there was just one thing after another between the combination of COVID and its implications on the business and COVID and its implications on our ability to have any kind of support after our daughter died that, that just kept coming for, for months, they, they kept coming. And when I thought like, this has got to be the bottom, it can't get any worse than this. It would just, there would just be one more thing, one more thing, one more thing. Um, and, and as a business owner, having to still kind of at least in a minimal sense, have your head in the game enough to, to lead these big decisions. Cause my COO had only been with me for a few months at that time. Um, so this was brand. And even if she hadn't been, it was brand new territory for everybody. Um, 
it was, it was pretty ugly. There was a good solid four months that were nothing but ugly. And meanwhile, I was managing uh, for the first time in my life, post-traumatic stress from what we experienced when our daughter died and anxiety and depression in a way that I never, ever, ever had experienced them before. Um, And it was just, it was a really dark season. That is ugly. (laughs) You are right. And, you know, I am so grateful that you're here to share this with us today because it takes a lot to go through that, but it takes so much courage and fight to share it with other people. And I'm so grateful for you for being here, for sharing your story and for making an impact in the world in such a positive way. But even just today here on this podcast, as you're reaching out to these listeners and helping them get back up from whatever it is that they're going through. And I, I appreciate you so much for being here. And, uh, you know, it is, it's the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's, it's what molds us. It makes us who we are. It makes us tough. You know, we, we don't want to be this tough, do we? Uh, Yeah, we could go, we could definitely do without this, but you know, when we can use these stories to help other people that are going through similar things, then it, I can't say it makes it worth it. It's never worth it, but it's certainly not in vain. And so I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for being here to our listeners. Oh my gosh, get her book chasing cupcakes on Amazon. Listen to the podcast, sign up for her daily mindset and just go to her website at primalpotential.com to get to learn more about Elizabeth and the impact that she's making in the world. And Girl, you are so invincible. I I don't know if there's like the scale of like the most invincible, but if we're giving out awards for 2020, this one is going to you. Thank you so much for being here. And to our listeners, I don't know where you are in the world. I don't know where you are in your life or your business, but if you are face down on the ground right now, get back up, girl, get back up. You can do this. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. If you were inspired or learned something new, please subscribe to the podcast, give us a review and share us with your friends. For more information about me and how I can support you, please stop on over to my website at camilehman.com and book a free call with me. I'd love to meet you and learn more about how I can support you.